everybody, and welcome to the final episode of this interseason. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready for season nine. Get hyped. And before we get to season nine, I am still your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me, as always, is Matthew Stogden. Oh, go on then. Eject me. See if I care. Maybe we will. Maybe you're not back for season nine. Maybe we'll eject Matthew. You can fucking try. <laughs> Ignoring the fact that you know have all the like a bunch of the equipment and the place where we record when we record in person and all that kind of yep. stuff. And the most powerful computer, the most powerful <laughs> mind, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Speaking of powerful minds, joining Matthew and I, it's Tim Aiton. Ooh, my spider sense is tingling. If you know what I'm talking about. We we know what you're talking about, Tim. We definitely know. It's... The audience knows, and we know as well. We don't want to hear any more about it. Your fucking spidey sense. Fucking <laughs> wobbly cock. <laughs> For some reason, I imagined Tim's penis as a wacky, waving, inflatable, arm-flailing tube man when you said that. So you imagine with multiple prongs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I'm doing the I'm doing the arms for the listeners. Yeah, yeah there, he, he was going full pelt. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was a very accurate impression <laughs> of your penis. Both both of a wacky waving inflatable arm man and of my penis. <laughs> oh dear. Well, speaking of people that go woo, we'd like to say thank you to the wonderful patrons on patreon.com slash sequelizers because you dear listeners can go and join them you can get ad free episodes you can get early access to episodes you can vote on episodes the vote for season nine has already been happening we're excited we're already thinking about the future episodes and people (laughs) at the highest of tiers the executive producers get shout outs on the show we'll get to in a second and also can pick episodes for us to fix in the main season and if you stick around, they can choose interseason episodes as well. Isn't that delightful? Matt and Tim, isn't that delightful? I'm very tired. It's super delightful. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tim, for playing along. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to the executive producers, the wonderful Mr. Mike Salvia. You're that kid from the fan club. Brophy. Bro- Brody. Bud. Buddy. Buddy. My name is Incrediboy. Jonathan Firth-Clark. Yep, yep, that's okay. Hilarious, everyone. Looks like we got more Lucas hounds here to mock Roddenberry. Congratulations, gentlemen, but I would like to see your Darth Vader take on one Borg drone. We'll see who's laughing there. Josh Van der Sluis. I gotta say, it's an honor to meet you, officially. I sort of met you. I mean, I watched you while you were sleeping. I mean, I was, I was present while you were unconscious from the ice you know it's really it's just a just a huge honor to have you on board josh miles how many times well um three for fellowship two for towers four for return five for return dude all right look there's only one return okay and it ain't of the king it's of the jedi oh star wars geek xenos now why would you sell it to me and not to him because you're not a geek lewis you guys it's not no, we're not. No, seriously, you're totally elitist. You feel like the unappreciated scholars, so you shit on the people who know less than you. No. Which is everybody. Yeah. Michael Belcher. I understand completely that it's just a TV show. Oh, hold on. I know there's no Wait a minute. Stop, stop for a second. Stop. Wait. No ship. It's all real. Oh my God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> the crew and I are in a lot of trouble. And Andy Steen. Sure, it was difficult, but you are worth it. 
I mean, after all, I am your biggest fan. Thank you so much for your support, our wonderful executive producers, and everyone on patreon.com slash sequelizers. We very much appreciate it. You make this interseason possible. You make the full 12 episodes of the main season possible. And uh, yeah, we're going to be doing exciting things coming up in the season. Our live streams are still carrying on as normal and the last Saturday of the month, as is the plan. We've got some excellent guests already booked in. Yeah, we've got, we got a little scary one for October. It's going to be it's going to be a bit of a spooky one, ready, ready for Halloween. But before we get to all of that, before we get to season nine, before we get to live streams in October and all that good stuff, I suppose we should probably do an episode to round off this interseason. One might say the fans have demanded it. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Because we're going to talk about fans. We're going to talk about fandoms. And specifically, in movies, we're going to talk about fan service. What that constitutes, we will discuss. What that means for franchises going forward and how it's developed over the years, we will discuss. So, what springs to mind, gentlemen, when I say fan service to you? And try and keep it as safe for work as possible, you absolute <laughs> degenerates. Yeah, we should we should make we should make a distinction here because there's kind of two mm. working definitions of fan service, and we're only really talking about one of them. We're talking about essentially pandering to fans of existing franchises, fans of media that's being adapted, etc., etc. The the in jokes uh, that are quite ostracizing and in really jokes sort of... giving them what they want to see, yes. all that kind of yes. stuff. We're not talking about the other kind of fan service. Tits and panties, which is yeah, wow. <laughs> gratuitous sexuality that has absolutely no place related to the content of the uh, of the media. An anime as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's the classic. We've got an episode of filler. What we're going to do? We're going to go to a hot spring. And the girls are all going to go in and compare breasts, and the guys are going to try and see them. Does it further and the guys are going to go nosebleed? <laughs> and it's like, is it going to further the plot at all? Nope. The whole thing is on pause. They can go to the beach. What the fuck? I, I see you, Persona 4 and five. Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did that happen in 5? I don't think it happens. That's not yeah, they've got a like, whole beach day. They have like whole costumes Oh, they have a beach stuff, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair yeah, enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a hot tub, but a beach day instead. And in yes. fact, not even a beach day. They go to fucking Hawaii in Persona 5. Yes. So they yeah. can change the... the so all those 15-year-olds can hang out in their pants. And it's like, ooh. Yeah. Thanks, anime. <laughs> Um, anyway. about that specifically. <laughs> I mean, that we'll, we'll touch upon that in in a, in its capacity, but most of it is going to be about pandering, and then that is pandering to the fans. It's like, um, hey, fans, are you enjoying the show? Yeah, it's great. It's such a compelling narrative, but I really know <laughs> hey, wank. Hey, presumed straight male fan. Yep, entirely, and it can ostracize a lot of people, especially like with um, just tons of people. Really, it can be. It's like, oh, anime is so cool, but also I have to recommend this to you, knowing full well that. My recommendation comes with a caveat. But no, we're, we're catering more... And it's it's mm, not just anime. Oh, no, 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 of course not, no. Regard, you know... Video games is the same thing, I mean, and books. You can look at, like, fucking every Star Trek series mm. basically had, you know, you had T'Pol or whatever her name was. Yeah, in uh, Enterprise. Massaging, yeah, with the... To get... Like, yeah, the, the, the post... Is it, like, post... Post transporter beam gel hot massage. Yeah, like make sure we get the thing. Get all this. Let's get them all uh, 
scrub down and make sure there's no insert fucking tech jargon thing here. I don't care for Enterprise. Yeah. Um, so I gel them all up and I have to like just rub each other down. It's like, what the fuck is this? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's nonsense uh, and very frustrating and uh, a thing that's very embarrassing in years to come. It's it's almost never look back. Well, actually, I say never back back on fondly. I do a live action anime TV series called Super Happy Kill Time, and I make fun of that sort of stuff because it is hilariously stupid but it is in almost everything even shows you think oh this is too high brother it's too respectful it would never have this moment and you go nope there it is and like oh fuck me even this <laughs> but no we're specifically in this case focusing on films that and I, I don't want to make this sound like it's a modern thing because it isn't but the truth is with the advent of the internet it very much has ramped up fast and it mm-hmm. gets back to the studio quickly which has changed things so it is in essence, a, a contemporary thing to a, to a degree. But yeah, we're going to just discuss about the idea of where we think it comes about from, why it's done, well, obviously for money, but is it... Is <laughs> Capitalism, it, that yeah, is the answer. Is it worth pandering to a very small vocal minority what they think they want because on the internet some people shouted they want it? Does it work out? I mean, the, you know, the best and worst examples, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to talk about it as a money thing because I don't know how much it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, because like we just said it's it tends to be a vocal minority that is demanding certain things when we think of fan service in this fashion and the the way that especially like now the internet has come along that fan campaigns or or, you know fan forums Mm. direct their their sort of attention it's a very small chunk of the cinema going audience that is making demands or is being pandered to with this stuff Mm. i guess it's the kind of thing of it probably doesn't lose the money to do stuff like this but it's not i can't for example just to to pull one out and we'll go into many many examples as we go through this there's plenty as you can imagine listeners yeah yeah i doubt they made any extra money by making sure they included peter cullen as optimus prime in the transformers films because i feel like it didn't include frank walker (laughs) i feel like anyone who cared enough to care that peter cullen was in that was probably going to go and see that film anyway true and they potentially lost out by not having who the fuck knows voice optimus prime Mm. liam neeson you know, and having a bigger name star as as the kind of person acting, lending their gravitas to the thing. Yeah. I just thought of Ryan Reynolds as Optimus Prime doing his Deadpool. <laughs> you mean just doing <laughs> Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, being Detective Pikachu, but Optimus Prime. Yeah. And I, I hate my life, and I hate when my brain works. No, they'd, they'd, they'd have him be Bumblebee or Hot Rod. Oh, uh, well, actually, to be fair, I wouldn't think I'd be opposed to uh, Ryan Reynolds as Hot Rod too much. That kind kind of works. But yeah, I mean, Jeff Bridges, for example, Jeff Bridges as 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 Optimus Prime might be an interesting take on the thing. Yeah. It's like, OK, thank you. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It is a weird thing because, again, this is the classic thing with the, with any form of kowtowing to the, the loudest in the room and only cowards and idiots talk the loudest. That's on a podcast. <laughs> Whereby... Or, or there are fans, in which case they're... they're fucking amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, they're, that's that's, that's amazing bullhorn, people. megaphone, awesome people. They deserve to be heard. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's it's the classic uh, adage of anyone who's worked in retail or a front-facing thing like uh, food culture, restaurant sort of culture thing, will know full well the attitude that if I complain loudly enough, you'll just give me what I want. And then I'll moan about it anyway. It's like... 
well, I gave you things to so you wouldn't be a you dick. You brought me the thing for free, but you were too slow. Like, That's yeah. I shouldn't have given you the free thing anyway. You yeah. cheeky bastard. I, in a capacity, there is the thing that, that creatives such as film studios and directors, actors, everybody else owe you nothing. They are telling mm. you a story. If you want to watch and the story, you like it, you don't like it, that's fine. You can have an opinion on it, but you don't own that story. Even if you purchase it and just say, I like that film, I'll buy that, that's fine. But you don't get to shape that future of the story because, and this is a fucking surprise for you guys, the public don't fucking know what they're talking about. If you don't believe <laughs> that, look at elections. I think you touched on something very important there, Matt. It's feeling like you're owed something. Yeah. And that is defined by one word that sums these kind of people up. Entitled. Mm-hmm entitlement to like ips and properties and franchises that you loved playing with toys of as a kid and stuff like talking about transformers is the perfect example mm. there the one of the things that spurned the whole you ruined my childhood thing was like people doing the female-led ghostbusters because that ruins the male Ghostbusters from the 80s for some reason. <laughs> yes, those films like, no longer exist, even, apparently. Even that, yeah, you just have a DVD. I'm sure if you care if you care enough about that series, you probably have it on DVD or Blu-ray anyway. Mm. So just go and watch the first two if you like the first two, or watch the first one if you don't like the second one. We fix the second one. So it's like this whole thing about feeling like you own the rights to things and it's just like mm. sorry it's corporations that own this shit and it and it unfortunately it is cold gross capitalism at the end of the day it's people who own the rights to these names and these characters and you know the fact that spider-man is with sony rather than with disney who own marvel but spider-man's a marvel character right how does that work <laughs> and how come they've only just got the fantastic four back and it's like yeah because properties are bought and sold because they're they're valued commodities. They're they're entities that cost money to produce things of, to create comics, video games, toys, movies, TV shows, animated shows. Mm. Fucking everything costs money to create. So therefore, money is the fuel that you know these corporations use to hold on to these things. And when it comes down to trying to make money from these properties, it is often the case where they think like, right, we need to make the most money from this thing. We need to capitalize on this thing and this fan base. We know that there are 10 million people that really love Transformers that will go and watch Transformers on opening weekend or whatever the fuck it is. So we know we're going to roughly make this much money. But what if we put Peter Cullen in there and we really appeal to the nerds? I'm like, Well, no, the nerds are going to go see it anyway. No, 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 trust me. We're going to be fine. Everything's fine. Like, what? Well, no. Like, But then you swing the opposite side and something we've talked about to a great extent that we will touch on as as kind of the the, mm. the big example of fan service, Zack Snyder's Justice League, aka the <laughs> Snyder Cut, is the big one of the 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 last few years where enough people got pissy about Joss Whedon and granted, rightfully so, not, yeah, Joss <laughs> Whedon, noted piece of shit, just putting that out there, but. Enough people got pissed off with a, a mediocre film that they demanded a four-hour mediocre film to be made. <laughs> and it's like, this didn't solve any of the problems. This is basically the same film, but longer, essentially. Just twice as long as it was before. And a bunch of nonsense just tacked on for the sake of it. And I t I'm, I'm not going to go on a Snyder rant, I promise. And yet here we are. Yeah, here we are. 45 minutes later. Um, <laughs> and another thing! But the whole... The whole Martian Manhunter thing is so weird where he just shows up at the end and is like, oh, and by the way, some call me the Martian Manhunter. Like, the no, only they response don't. to be, the only response should be like, 
but I'm a man. That can't be good. There's a 1% yeah. <laughs> chance you'll hunt men. I have to take you down. There, there, therefore death. Yeah, exactly it. It's like that line of dialogue is so specifically for those nerds and those fan DC wanky fanboys who were just jacking off over Zack Snyder that were just like, oh, but the 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 general guy could be martian manhunter right it's like i mean sure yeah use your imagination maybe he is maybe he isn't who cares or maybe he's martha kent for no reason like <laughs> wait wait what <laughs> because he can shapeshift he has to shapeshift into superman's mum in the single most emotional scene yeah. in those four hours what yeah. the actual fuck are you well we have to show that he shapeshifts no you don't the people that know who Martian Manhunter is know he can shapeshift. He also turns into a big green fucking dragon monster if he wants to. Didn't show him doing that though, did you? Because that was too expensive because <laughs> you'd already spent all the money in the world on this film. Anyway, it's shit like that that really annoys me. And the example I used in the Snyder Cut episode that we did, if you want to endure that four and a half hours of me ranting about the Snyder Cut, please do go back and listen to the previous finale of the interseason. <laughs> It's the Mass Effect trilogy. That was the moment where I kind of realized things I like can be shouted at enough by fucking nerds and dweebs online that the corporations actually take notice and change things. Because I love the Mass Effect trilogy. And for those of you who don't know, it's a big like space, kind of like Star Warsy kind of big space opera video game series. Uh, came out in the sort of PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 era. So a, f- a few generations ago. And... The ending of the third one, which is like this big combination of this epic story, basically the return of the Jedi of this thing, of this trilogy, was a bit rubbish and a bit underwhelming. So everybody went, oh, redo it. And the company went, okay, we will. And everybody went, eh, wait, what? That You don't have to <laughs> curtail your fucking art, your creation, the thing you've spent literally years, a decade, basically making this thing. Because... A few thousand angry people on Twitter went, oh, I don't like green, red, or blue, me, and just got angry with the fucking tweets and podcasts and stuff, he says, ranting on a podcast. And it's like, and that was the first moment I realized it could make a real difference. You know, that that moment where I was like, oh, wow, corporations actually listen to this vocal minority bullshit. Because, let's be honest, it's always a vocal minority. Almost always is this angry, like, enough angry people shouting loud enough, as you said earlier, Matt. They, they will get their way and they're entitled and privileged and that is the bad side of fan service is basically what I want to try and say. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because there there are obviously there are these instances of like the Snyder Cut where it's listening to this fan demand and using it as an opportunity to make a bunch more money off of people. But for the most part, I think the reason that it exists and the reason that it has... It existed previously, but with the internet, it has become more prevalent and I think it is more included in films and and other media, is that it becomes free marketing. That's how it makes the company's money in this case. Well, there's fucking hashtags, yeah. Because people people are going to be talking about these films anyway, because they're very often, they are, you know, films based on pre-existing media and stuff like that or they're part of big franchises and so the studios want that buzz to be positive so if you start leaking out that oh hey we're getting back this person who was in it 20 years ago when you really liked it and they're going to be in the new version 
then the fan buzz is going to be like, oh, they bring back the other person. Oh, they must really respect the old material <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Um, that pandering bullshit, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so it it becomes a way of generating positive buzz ahead of the movie. And it does their mar- it starts to do their marketing more for them. And the more that we that social media is used to kind of propagate that and we you know we stick people's fucking tweets in movie trailers and stuff like that the more that vicious cycle grows and it leads to stuff like you know and uh, we'll get into the mcu and, and various things in that but because i think there's positive and negative examples of, of pandering to fans in that but take for example the inclusion of hulk in thor ragnarok mm. which was great really enjoyed it but there's a reason they put that in the fucking trailer is because not only did the general cinema going audience like Hulk and go like, oh, look, it's Hulk in space. But it meant that there were thousands of geek sites out there and people like us on the Internet going like, oh, my God, they're doing Planet Hulk. It's uh, not towards I think Planet Hulk. Ten reasons why you should be excited for Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Uh, here's just basically a, a rewriting of the highlights of Planet Hulk. Uh, yeah. But you won't believe number seven. It's like, for fuck's sake. Like, yeah. <laughs> And they could very well have promoted that film without showing you that Hulk was going to be in it. And they could have kept that under wraps. Yeah, huge reveal. And, and imagine that in the cinema if you were watching that and had no idea it was coming. Mm. I miss those days. They where still have trailer, Trailers just didn't blow everything for you. And I know I could go out of my way to like not get spoilers from trailers and all that kind of stuff. But like... Mm. It's just a pain in the ass to avoid that stuff. It's like accidentally scrolling through as any social media at this point. And we're like, mm. oh, it's auto playing. Brilliant. Trying to close <laughs> yeah, it. It's yeah. still playing in the background. Oh my god! And it also auto plays yeah. a, a sort of almost clip highlight version. Oh, we've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. And then it'll say it's starting now. The three second trailer for the trailer. You can try and hide it, but you can't. You're still going to see all the bits, and you're like, I might as well watch it now. So it's essentially it's it's this horrible capitalist cycle of conning us into doing the movie's marketing for them it's gonna be um, a ch- it's nothing... gonna be a cheery episode ladies and gentlemen yeah we should say like there's nothing wrong with being a fan of a property there's nothing wrong with being excited that something is coming out and that it's gonna accurately represent the the thing that you're really passionate about or it's going to you know include something that you you are really excited about but like we said like jack and matt said entitlement and that sense of ownership that is just not realistic. And when these things become kind of foundational to your identity, mm. when you when you are out there putting Snyder Cut Believer in your Twitter bio, it's like, really, that's so central to the, your yourself <laughs> that, that you need to stick it up there. Uh, some fuck is a bit tattooed the- and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. I- I'm going to um, throw something out there. With the Snyder Cut, and a handful <laughs> of other things. I'm actually bringing back Transformers, don't worry. Jack, Jack's just sharpening an eye. He is, he's giving me a look. <laughs> um, these are interesting to me. I'd go so far as to say fascinating to me because, the okay, Transformers was a very vocal one. Uh, and, and that was 2007. So at this point, you were talking about 2005 and 2006 with the film was in production. People using internet forums and sites like Ain't It Cool News and stuff. And Twitter is around at this point and it's growing traction speed social media is becoming a thing youtube has or is just about to launch properly and in the capacity we understand it now so yeah this this whole communal discussion is a thing facebook is a thing but 
kind of mostly in America. You know, it's grow, it's all growing basically. And at that, at the zenith of it all, at the peak of this explosion of the internet not being as it was previously, as in you have to go to the places to find the things, blah blah blah, is Transformers, the 2007 Michael Bay film. And what's fascinating to me is is the push and pull sort of tug back and forth. So the idea is you end up with this film coming out and it's a big thing for people of a certain age because it's a big property, a big cartoon and toy line from the 80s. Okay, cool. And it's going to be done as this major action film. Fantastic. And then you see the first designs come out or leaked out, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, oh my God, that is a lot of fucking... They look like cutlery. a big bag of spoons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, and the, the interesting thing was that wasn't necessarily the first reaction. The first reaction was two fan campaigns. And what's so you talk about like that? We're bringing Peter Cullen in, and you immediately get the seal of authenticity from the fans. Or we're going to respect the, the the material. Peter Cullen's coming back. That's exactly how you do it. Well done. I oh, I'm okay with this. I give you my stamp of approval for your seal of authenticity. Uh, move on to the next stage of production, as if they give a fuck what you think, even though they kind of do because they do want the people to talk yeah. about it. But again, they don't really, it's the four quadrant release. You don't really care that much about what these people are already fans. They, as you said earlier, they were going to watch it anyway. It's everyone else, the, the, the casual motherfuckers who, just don't, who wouldn't go to see a Transformers film unless it was directed by Michael Bay kind of thing. Mm. And the two campaigns that came out were Flames on Optimus, which basically was, wait, Optimus Prime <laughs> has flames on his truck. That's not Optimus Prime. Remove it from the movie. And Tino, hashtag Tino, which is Transformers in name only. Oh, interesting. Mm. And they were big things. And everybody thought this outcry, this furore from the fan base will be enough to shift the... Guess what? There's still flames on fucking Optimus. Still weren't happy with all of it and they were <laughs> and but most probably they still watched it and still fucking loved it to a degree myself and, I thought, and I think it made film. billions and billions of dollars and then the, the, by the way the uh flames on optimus very quickly changed with the trailer came out to lips on optimus yeah they didn't fucking change that either <laughs> arguably worse it, much worse I'm told, i the flames don't give a fuck about it. the lips is awful and it, like you know some of the transformers do have lips and movie mouths he does not and it'd be and it's like but it'd be easier for you to animate. Why are you making it so difficult on yourself? <laughs> um, and the Gen 1 designs being dropped for these new spinning fucking things. All this shit. Now, here's the thing. These are then later with things like Bumblebee, retroactive fixes where they're like, actually, we'll give the fans what they might want, you know, a good fucking story with the proper Gen 1 design. So in Bumblebee, you open with arguably fan service in that it... Oh, in the war and Cybertron yeah. bits. A- yeah. Absolutely yeah. service. However, I would say that's still slightly contentious because fan service to me, uh, at least the way we're discussing it today, is the difference between this is an in nod to the fans saying, look, we get where this is going. We know, like an old, watching Superman, you know, the first Superman film, like, that could be this. Now, oh God, that could be, that could be that, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, that could be anything. Uh, Batman begins as with, oh, there's a guy with a calling card. She's like, you're kind of, you know, they were Kevlar and all that kind of shit. And it's like, yeah, we know that's the Joker. We know what that is. If you didn't, if you would have been on Rocket, don't know where that's going with it. There's no guarantee there's going to be a sequel to Batman Begins. I mean, obviously it's Batman uh, and one of the best Batman movies, but it's there to go. Uh, 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 <laughs> See what we're doing here? Yeah. Are you paying, yeah. Are we nerds? Are you paying you, attention? You get it. <laughs> Fuck it. We're not going to come to Thanos. We'll get back to that. But the point is, there is a difference between that and 
some of the very very distinct examples we'll get later in that it is not at the expense of the film the mm. movie if anything the movie was heightened because of the cybertron stuff and it looks so good it was treated seriously and the lips on optimus and mm. the lippy lippy oh, optimus delicious they took them off in the after on cybertron but that's that's the, i mean it, at the end of the day it's that's execution rather mm. than intent or the nature and i have of it. much more of a palatable so i can tolerate and stomach well-handled fan service i don't have as much frustration with a wink and a nod a sly like oh, oh. i'm okay with that if you put it front and center and do a fourth wall breaking <laughs> look what we just did oh do you know what that is a winky 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 it's like can you stop because we already got it because we know what you're talking about the people who don't get it are like i don't understand you mean all of Jay and Silent Bob reboot? <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> but yes, um, and that's kind of the thing. It's it, and, and it goes into the the not just the film itself, but the marketing for the film itself, which is my name is Khan and all that shit. Ah, um, my favorite Star Wars character, <laughs> John Harrison. Stop. Yeah, that, I said that on purpose. Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember, um, I remember people saying that to piss people off. And yes, being like, it's yes. my favorite Star Wars character, John Harrison. Yeah. And they had like, because I know um, our good friend Ashens, former sequelizer, did his Indeed. like bootleg Star Wars uh, figures and stuff with Alec, also former sequelizer. Mm. Um, and they they have all these stupid fucking names, and it's absolutely hilarious. And people were doing similar things, so like, uh, ah, yes. Here we go. Everybody's been waiting for the debut of John Harrison in <laughs> The Star Wars. Like, oh, it's oh. like those things where you see it's like a picture where it's got like text that says like, do or do not, there is no try. And then it's attributed to Dumbledore. And then there's a picture oh, of Gandalf. Pat yes. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 The one that got me recently where I was like, oh, that's kind of really nice. And then realized, no, I fucking hate it. In fact, it's made me really <laughs> angry. In oh, the, nice. In, but in the space of time, I was still watching it. Is actually about promotional stuff. It's about I'm getting I know get a little sidetracked here, but it was the advert for Endgame, not the advert for Endgame, one of the major trailers for Endgame, and that was the mashup of fans, or you know, in very course, it's for you, the fans. It's like, do you mean the really rich, well-off YouTube, you know, million-plus subscribers going, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because it was a mashup of them, people reacting to like the Iron Man trailer, and obviously, well, not many of those at all. Because again, YouTube was in its infancy; it wasn't really it was reacting. Two thousand eight, for fuck's sake! Yeah, like, yeah, that wasn't really a thing people did. So it was more about. I think Avengers was the the first Avengers mm. film was the sort of start of it, and then it grows very quickly to you know the corporate thing that a reaction trailer to a trailer is and it just comes with the um infinity war and it's I, I i'm sorry we've done a trailer reaction on youtube to the morbius <laughs> trailer and it's more just being like fucking fuck morbius trailer wow. and there's a lot of entertainment can get from just like shouting at the screen because with your friends and it's it, that inclusive thing but there's also but you a, need you need the crazy thumbnail of the oh my oh, god face it's and all so that kind performative of it's how you it's, do well on youtube man. it's porn acting is what it is it's it's like <laughs> The penis comes close, like ah! It's like what? The, what are you? What are you? What are you? What are you doing? What are you doing? It's, you the, need... it's the you. You won't believe number seven of, of yeah. the BuzzFeed article of fucking. Dumb. Yeah. So it, it, even that is like this movie is for you. It's like yeah, because you want me to go see it, and it's also I want to see what happens to all those dusty people. So of course I'm going to watch it. You don't, <laughs> and the thing is, they know they don't need to show anything, so they can just basically show what the fans think of as them, and it's like. 
wow, I can't wait to see this movie with all these no, clips I'm, from I'm old movies. I'm just like PewDiePie. Yeah, and I was like, oh, here, yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm worth several million. Oh, oh, oh. But I could be. I've got a camera and a fucking, you know. And that's not negatively, you know, pissing on that too much. It's just I mean, me you're, saying. You're a man with a camera who uploads YouTube videos, Matthew. So very true. You're, allowed, true. you're allowed to say that. I'm allowed to say that. But it is very much the case of it's trying to actively court people. Uh, and not at the expense of the movie or not, but I think it just felt very, it, 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 it felt very corporate. It felt like an executed move, a very sly marketing thing rather than a earnest, earned thing. And that's fine in a promotional thing. It's, it's annoying, but I have to watch it. That's fine. But when you put it into the film, into the art itself, you're like, why are you doing this? Who does it? So who does Qui Bono, motherfucker? Mm. Who the fuck benefits from this? Mm. And I, I think there's. Let's let's talk about the cycle. I think it's a good way to transition because again, it's the question of who are the people you're targeting. Every bit of marketing, everything, and then obviously your marketing boys, you'll you'll back me up on this. Everything you do is to sell you shit, and the argument is to sell you something you don't need. This is a Bill Hicks line. Now, admittedly, things you might want. Sure. I mean, Bill Bill Hicks' line was also, if you work in advertising, kill yourself. yourself. No, this is not a joke. Yeah. Kill yourself. Yeah. He's not wrong, but also my marriage is one of marketing. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Matt. Not you. Me me and your wife basically work (laughs) in the same industry. Yes, it's very true. You both deserve to die. Well, again, the only thing humans technically need to survive is like X, Y, Z. And it's like, ah, but have you considered C? Uh, Maybe D. (laughs) It's like, I don't need that. It's like, I don't even need it, but you might want it because we sold it to you like you might get sex. Where's where's, where's WandaVision on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? There we go. (laughs) Fucking Maslow. (laughs) Yeah, so basically the idea that the audience tends to be those with the disposable income, which is fascinating because that is a very, very, very misunderstood group because people don't really have a lot of disposable income and those that do are not the ones who are going to be spending it so for example people with the most money are the old people with houses but the people who like spend the money because they're like i'm not gonna have a fucking house bugger it i want some toys is our lot gen x uh millennials and aspects of gen z or z if you're inclined so subsequently i'm not but thank you yeah. for offering so you get a lot of 80s and 90s, 20, 30 year cycle stuff. We discussed this with Greece. We discussed this with um, obviously Star Wars, other bits and pieces. The idea, if you're not familiar, that there is a 20 or 30 year cycle where the past becomes fashionable because you're at a certain age where you kind of get nostalgic and you go, I kind of miss that. And we're now entering, we've trans- had so much of the 80s, we're now heavily into the 90s mm. now, we're 90s nostalgia. I remember it's, it's also the time mm. period it takes for the people who were teenagers to become things like showrunners and directors. Decision makers. Decision decision makers within the media sphere. Yeah, so they're thinking like, we'll go back to what I remember when I was a kid. And then you never, I should point out, the cycle is a lie. If you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to make things like it's in the 90s. It's like, do you remember things in the 90s? And I always bring up Stranger Things as an example. I like Stranger Things to start with. Um, and it's very 80s to a degree, but those kids and that story, it's, it's 80s via contemporary filter because... If you watch an 80s kids movie, you might say Monster Squad or some shit. Those kids are fuckers. They're like <laughs> smoking and 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 <laughs> lots of like homophobic jokes and they don't want girls to hang about. And it's like, I'm pretty sure you've got these very contemporary modern kids, like 2010s kids in an 80s setting. Mm. But it's not not exactly as it actually was. That's fine. But it's, it's always like, like, again, like Austin Powers is not going to give you an accurate portrayal of the 60s. I, I very much felt that. I watched the uh, Fear Street movies that oh, uh, yeah, yeah. came out on netflix recently and that yeah. very much felt like oh no this isn't this isn't 90s kids this isn't 80s, 80s kids it's 
2010s yeah. 2020s kids in dressed up in period gear that's exactly it it's, it's contemporary sensibilities applied to the past which isn't a bad thing because it means there's progress we've moved on well not moved on but moving forward hopefully but at the same we try, time we try to yeah yeah it's 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 the one thing i both hate and understand tarantino doing when he'll do a period drama and have a load of racial slurs and it's like yeah the past is actually quite fucking i mean awful. he also did it in pulp fiction which is set in the 90s mm. 90s is a lot of racial film, stuff filmed, yeah. filmed in the 90s, yeah. Fair. Yeah, but that, that's not, again, that's not me necessarily saying, I commend you, because he's still, you know, gratuitous. It's still too much. He's doing it for shock value. Mm. But at the same time, it's also he like... He cast himself to say the N-word in his own Yeah, that's, that's a choice. That's, um, that's not okay. No, and, and, you know, and of course, what I'm trying to say is that, that if you are doing something set in the past, you are going to be, you know, it, it depends what your, your market is and what your audience is. But the nostalgia cycle, the whole thing is a weird, weird existence because as nostalgia is perfectly, um, and it, 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 I, can't, I can't stress this enough, nostalgia is the route to fan service. It's not just the in-jokes. It's not just the communal aspect of, hey, do you get that? Oh, I did. Actually, I did the research beforehand. I read the book and I know where you're going with that. I know you're not going to include it in this film, but I get that. I appreciate that nod. That can happen. Mostly what it's doing is, do you remember this? Oh, fuck, I do remember that. Go, we've got three more movies like that and I want a load of really <laughs> expensive hot toys to sell. So I need you to buy them. Come on. <laughs> $400, please. And that's kind of the point. It's it's another aspect of selling shit. It's selling it on different things to different people. Some people are just selling as a commercial sort of like big ass release that people go, ah, oh, that was a fun time at the cinema. I'll recommend it to my friend. And then they're going, right, you, you're going to buy the, the, the limited edition physical release this right plus all the model kits and also all the uh, action figures and the branded material and the t-shirts and blah 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 they're creating this uh or, or perpetuating that that culture that mindset because they you already have it you you they gave you that shit when you were a child transformers yay done i love transformers moved on though do you want to go back to the transformers uh nope what if we have a character who's quite obscure but you remember because you're a and i hate this real fan <laughs> it's like the nostalgia cycle is quite interesting because you get filmmakers who are taking the stuff that, that was big when they were young and then yep. they recontextualize it or they take those influences and they splice them with whatever they're sort of working with nowadays or different ideas and come up with something interesting and you can see that pattern you can go back to Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And mm, when those mm. originally came out, they were homages to a yeah. lot of things, the serials, Flash Gordon, samurai films, westerns, all these kind of things, all these influences yeah. that, that Lucas pulled together. And that was him very much leaning on nostalgia and the things that he was a fan of. But he forged them into something new. You could argue that Stranger Things does the same thing because it's not it's it's heavily indebted to stuff like Stephen King and things like mm. that, but it is trying to pull it together into a new and different format. Whereas that's kind of fighting against the stuff which is just here is a here's a bit of intellectual property from 25 years ago. Yeah. And we know that if we make it nowadays, adults are going to spend money on it. Um, and the and the kind of er uh, example of that being Ready Player One. Oh fuck me! Where it's God. where it's just a list of references. Yes. Well, well, well. Fan service is very much a blockbuster occurrence. You can't afford to do fan service usually in a small independent release because it's not based on an existing IP most of the time. And 
the fan service, even if it's something like, oh, we're doing, I don't know, a very small adaptation of a certain book or play or something like that, you can do maybe like a nod in a certain way. Like, okay, let's say let's say there's a, there's a play that was on stage. It was relatively successful, won a few awards, but it wasn't like this, you know, it wasn't changing the way we think of theatre. And someone said, I'll get the rights to that and I'll put it on screen. Someone keeping something in from the play or an actor appearing who was in the play, for example, who people can go, oh shit, who's that person? You know, cameos are another good example of fan service to a degree. That could occur. That could be a thing. But again, it's that it's that ulterior motive. It's the why do we bother with fan service? It's like, again, what 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 is the point? What why See, Tim, say, what I'd is say, the point? I'd say it does happen on a low budget, which mm. is in horror. Oh, horror. There we go. Thank you. That's a great example. Where you yeah. can get some real schlocky zero budget stuff that has lots of winks and nods towards previous horror films might be that you know oh like the guy who we've got playing our mad killer is the guy who played the mad killer in you know freddy like jason x or something like we brought him back like you know and we get him to do that walk he's famous for yeah yeah and that's true and even if you're doing like we're doing halloween h2o and it's you know you end up with a cameo from Janet Lee, and she drives off in the car from Psycho. She got a small role mm. in that film, and it, I think even the score has a moment like it plays the score slightly, you know, elements of it and the, the light motif, and you're like, mm, that's a reference. And this is where it gets different. It's like fan services and references. There, I think you can you can muddy the water so quickly with this. And to, just to come back to what I was saying only about the why do they do it? Why do the, why do they do it? I genuinely think it is the seal of authenticity. I think it is, you're going to go see it anyway. But horror is a good example, brilliant example, Tim, because it is that seal of authenticity. This is an, a legit thing. We're not just some people posing as pretending. We haven't just bought the rights. We're not just doing this thing. This is real. And you know it's real because I've got this. And only somebody who's a bit neurotic would know what this is. It's, it's <laughs> a fans are neurotic. It's a, a, yes. It's a way of saying, hey, you and me, we're, we're the same kind of people. I care about the things that you care. Hey, you and know what? That's, that's, an, that, that's a West Wing fan service moment <laughs> from Tim. Because <laughs> yeah, there'll be an and, audience members who go, ooh. And it's, it's, that stuff's interesting because there, there are ways of doing it which is subtle. Yeah. And then there are ways where it becomes an issue of like gatekeeping and oh, yes, things that become inaccessible to new fans mm. um, and become so steeped in references and nods to previous stuff that you need to sit there. A good example from a non-cinematic thing is Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Which, when it started, was like, oh, it's quite, you know, it's clever. He's taking all these old sort of Victorian-era characters and putting them together and, you know, they... And then by the time you got to some of the later editions of that, you literally need to sit there with and there there were people who did go through and annotate it and, and say like this is a yes. reference to that yeah. and this is a reference to that and the pages became so dense with that stuff that it crowded out any actual enjoyment of reading the comics <laughs> yeah. because you would you would just go through it either having to stop and read all the references which completely breaks up the flow of it or as you're reading through trying to enjoy the story you're going why is this character just like right up at the front of the like the frame of this panel of the comic what um what thing am i missing out on yeah and it just it makes you feel stupid and it makes you feel alienated from the comic yeah and, and the deeper you go into that the footnotes be- overtake the actual content yeah. yeah yeah 
And I think that there are films where that that does become the case, where if you went in as a new person, and I don't mean in the kind of end game way where it's like this story has been going on for a long yeah, while, yeah, yeah. because you can have that without having without having this same sense of just well, if you don't if you don't understand why this character switches on a light and it's blue when everyone else has switched on, it's been normal color, like because it's referencing back to that episode of Sapphire mm. and Steel, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's something like that, yeah, you know, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah, no, it's an, that, that's a very good point, and it, and that's what I said earlier. The nature of poor execution as it stifles the release at the expense of the movie, so mm. that literally what you end up with is you have to put a commentary on or a track, or somebody has to turn to you and say, "Why is the things?" And also, it's so finite. The film, it, it, it's it's such a dismissive term for the movie itself, for the art itself. The art has to live, has to. And I always hate this with pop culture references, where you go like, "I'm a reference a product." This is in no way, no way a spoiler for Shang-Chi, but I'm going to say it. At one point, someone says, oh, just uh, let me know the thing. I'll, I'll Venmo you some money. Like, Venmo? <laughs> Fucking hell. That's going to age well. Um, well, perfect example of Black Panther, where Shuri does the, what are those? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. By the time that film came out, everybody was like, why is she talking about his shoes? <laughs> like, well, that was a meme. It's like, yeah, that was a meme like two and a half years ago. Yeah. That was been made, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that film was shot two and a half years ago, yeah. so... And that's yeah. and that's the thing. You they think it's so 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 limited because obviously that case is more about what's next, what's next, what's next. That's fine to a degree, but it's more the idea of like if I'm watching a film from the fifties or sixties and I'm already struggling to keep up with the idea of it. That's before you get to fan service. And I'm again watching like if you're watching fucking Godzilla films. I'm not saying the fan service is good or bad because I think it's more about the cultural satirical nod for things. But if you talk about the contemporary Godzilla films. Uh, the legendary stuff, for example, even uh, Shin Godzilla doesn't count, but other versions of Godzilla, it will do stuff. Uh, the trailer, for example, the trailer for uh, King of Monsters, not a good film, unfortunately. But Agreed. Beautiful fucking trailer. I was sold now, I thought this is going to be so good. And it's all about those money shots and you don't see King Ghidorah. Even in the film, same thing. You don't see it. You see the lightning, you see the clouds, you see the outline. You're like, <sighs> and it's that anticipation. And that's clever. That's good. That's marketing. That's fine. That's that's teasing. That's what the thing is supposed to do. Entice you in. Oh, there's a big fucking dragon. Even if you don't know who that is, it doesn't matter. Big old dragon. Great. That looks like a cool adversary. And then you've got the other side of things like, well, it's just using assets properly. The fact that over the years, we've used the same roar for Godzilla iconically and the dun-dun-dun, dun-dun. It's light motifs. That's different. That's not really fan service. It's the stuff when you have somebody dressed in the same outfit that actually no let's go let's go a different one let's go different so Sarazawa in the Godzilla film played by Ken Watanabe his name Sarazawa is because there's a Dr. Daisuke Sarazawa in the original Godzilla oh yeah yeah but that's 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 again that's not really fan service because it's kind of a remake in inverted commas it's that that makes a bit of sense but let's face it it's fan service it's it's what we, it's it's a it's something that a dickhead like me could turn and annoy someone next to me in the cinema and go that's because this <laughs> it's like nobody fucking cares Matt let me watch the film and it's amazing how frustrating that can get for people because as Tim said people get ostracized they feel dumb they feel alien like have I missed something in this movie oh it's not from this movie it's from a TV series from the sixties well I don't fucking know what that is <laughs> you haven't set this up in this movie triples <laughs> it's like, why are they cool because I know them. They're cool because I know them. It's for me. 
but that's why again it comes out to why are you putting it in there what is again weaponizing nostalgia the idea mm. of really putting it in there to say like i'm gonna really drill down and target this at you it's it's incredibly infuriating because as i've said and i i don't have an answer for this i don't as a creative and as a commentator on the industry i don't get it i don't think it has the results we think it does uh the the, the discussion the the general um social media buzz all these bits and pieces the longevity the sales of not only the film itself and tickets and things and and also sales of toys and accessories and bits and pieces as peripherals yeah, sure, the discussion is going to start trending and people are going to talk about it, but you could make a shit trailer, everyone talk about it, and then make a good trailer and goes, oh, fuck, well, now I'm involved, now I want to see it. <laughs> but you, you can generate content through shocking stuff, that's fine, but in terms of the movie itself, it's in the film. It wasn't to get them in the cinema. They've already watched the fucking movie by then. You have their money. <laughs> Why is it there? And it's amazing how... And we'll come to this, to this uh, very shortly. There are so many examples where it is so detrimental, so detrimental to the film because the the narrative flow, the 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 character arcs, the progression in general is stunted and interrupted, peppered nonsense. I mean, let's take an example that we don't know anything about yet. Dune, Denis Villeneuve's <laughs> Dune, that could have some nods. That could have some things that could be considered fan service. We don't know yet. There's been there was a. Arguably a fair amount of them in Blade Runner 2049. Technically, there was sort of fan service in Mad Max Fury Road. Doesn't make them bad films. Doesn't mean the fan service was technically even bad. You in just a way. listed Stuart Main's. Oh, two yeah. Of his I was, films seemed like I was gunning from, sorry. <laughs> the, the trigger words on Discord that you yes. must not say. Yes. You get the uh, the Inquisition if you do that. Join our Discord, the everybody. It's the cool. Scottish Inquisition. Yes. Um, if you, again, seriously, if you, that, that there, that's fan service. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But if you'd like to be included in that, please go join our Discord involved in conversation. It's a good, nice place. We all have go, to, go to our website, click on the Discord. There's yeah. the link button and See, the thing with the, on the page. I know why stuff. that thing, because it's inclusive and we're talking about things. And we're trying to get people to, you know, engage with us and things. And that's, that's you know, uh, synergy, motherfucker. <laughs> um, but with regards to something like Blade Runner, uh, like June, for example, are they going to have something? I mean, obviously, it's a book. It's an adaptation. There are things that mm. they're going to be able to leave in that. The whole thing is technically fan service to a degree because it's an adaptation. You're pulling things in for like for the fans. Here's the ah, there you go. The fan service for Dune has already happened technically, and it was in the trailer. Oh. It was the inclusion oh. of the Pink Floyd song. I like it. I think it works oh, really well. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, I don't know about this song. I don't know if it fits. It doesn't really seem to work. Why have they included this? And it's like ah, well. Now originally in the uh, David Lynch film for June back in the 80s. It was going to be Pink Floyd doing the score, but then in the end it was Toto. And it's like, oh, okay. But only you knew that. It's like, yes. Why? Because I need to know this bullshit. <laughs> and that's the point. It's trivia shit that is interesting, but not actually, like, like plot holes, not important. But mm. it's put center stage like it's the most important thing. And you get extra rewards for understanding the references. And it's like, don't pat the heads of people who are acting out. You don't give a fucking a badly behaved child or animal a treat for being badly behaved because then they will learn that's how they get treats. And that, to bring this full circle, is how you get the Snyder Cut. Because the second they got the Snyder Cut, they didn't just go away. They started a new campaign. It didn't want the air cut. Now, air right? cut. Something else. Mm. And restore the Snyderverse was immediately coming in. Mm. It wasn't just that they wanted this one movie. It's like, well, we've given you that. You can go away now. Like, no, there's always more. 
yeah, when we when we first listed this as a as a topic, the the two things that I thought of immediately, which aren't cinematically related, but are very titties and panties to to, <laughs> Sorry, uh, to to the kind of the culture of ownership and of entitlement, and I thought they were a lot closer together in my brain in, in time, um, but there's actually about seven or eight years between them, um, and the first one was Firefly being cancelled. Oh, and the campaign yeah. to bring that back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the show Chuck being cancelled. Yeah, and there were these constant uh, campaigns to keep it going to the point of fans would organise to all go because Subway was one of the advertisers that yes, frequently yes. bought adverts during Chuck. Yeah the fans organized a thing so they would all go and buy subway on a particular day as a way of showing their commitment to chuck yes and it's so just suckling at the teat of capitalism yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> in the worst possible way and there's like you know there's nothing wrong with you enjoying a show and letting the company the behind it or the makers behind it know that you're sad if it goes away and that you are there as a fan but it, it it's that to me and it so firefly was 2001 uh chuck was about 2010 basically yes yes and it you can see that slippery you can draw those markers as the slippery slope from firefly to there to where we are now with the things like the snyder cut campaign where it does become this sense of i am owed this I have I have bought your product and therefore you owe things to me. It's like no, the only thing they owed to you was the product which which you bought and you have consumed. Yeah. And they're going to sell you another product and you're going to buy that too. Yeah. You can either not buy it or you can you can't remold the product. Obviously you shouldn't be able to you know we have this mm. now that you can apparently. I, yeah. I, just as a, an other example, a tangential example which we have been not necessarily guilty of but part of. And that's dread. I remember Dread coming out in 2012 and it was great and we really enjoyed it and uh, it wasn't necessarily a Pete Travis movie and though Pete Travis is credited as the director it very much came out very quickly that it's, um, it's an Alex Garland it's a Garland movie. film exactly <laughs> yeah. and it oh was boy. so good so enjoyable cult hit but of course cult hit means not big and didn't do well but enjoyed by nerds precisely <laughs> and they said this is the kind of thing we want this is great and there was a big campaign saying buy multiple copies on Blu-ray or DVD to illustrate the power of the fans if you just give us this thing we'll give you the money and i remember alex garden saying that's really beautiful that's really sweet but don't bother because it won't move the needle enough for the people who are looking yeah it needs to be big i, th I think you stuff. i think you drastically overestimate about 100 people buying an extra copy of it on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> see that's it's it's like yeah, a, you need to talk about like million because things have been uncancelled because of DVD and Blu-ray sales. Of course, Futurama is the perfect example. Uh, One of my favorite yeah, shows yeah, of yeah. all time. The thing that has been cancelled and then brought the back things, again, and Family Guy did the same thing exactly. Mm -hmm. Cancelled and then oh, it did really well on DVD. Bring it back again. Oh, new network bought it. Cancelled. Oh, it did well on DVD. Cancelled. Fuck's sake. Mm. Like over and over and over again. And people think that's like well, yeah, enough of us buy the DVD and then I'll just make a new one. That's not how that, that works. works. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, it needs the 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 numbers that are dealt with in these cases are so huge that you are not going to have a passionate enough fan base that that cares about a thing enough to commit to doing a thing. Yes. The numbers of that are going to be so few 
that they are never going to shift the needle. Precisely. There's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bastardize a quote now. Two quotes, in fact. Um, the first is that studios are not your friend. <laughs> they will, How dare you, They will sir. tell you, they will court you, they will smile and flutter their eyelashes, and they will tell you that they have everything that you want and need. And don't worry about those other films. Just stay with us. Loyal to us. And we will give you treats. Little VIP treatment. Because you are special. And you... But it's like, is it something that isn't in the film that's new? No. Because we don't want to do that. That's more work and extra stuff. No, 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 no. You can buy that from us if you like. No, we're going to put things in there that are just for you. But only because you're a real true believer. And you're going to look for it and you're going to find it. That's going to be your reward. So, oh, great. And the other thing as well, to just to give this to you, to, give, to, to, to set up what we're about to just sort of go through some properties and go, fucking hell. There is a, an adage that when the devil comes to you, it isn't with anger and ire. It comes as everything you've ever wanted. That it's the idea of like, oh, but I will tempt you with riches and luxury. And oh, it's going to be this, you know, it's, it's yeah, sure, fine. But really, it comes as like, do you want your family to be happy and safe? I would. Would you do anything for that? Yeah, I would. Join this military force. Yeah, sure, why not? And it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? Um, in the same way, like the idea of, hey, do you like these films? Oh, rah, fuck, they're so good. They're so good. Would you be willing to compromise on the quality of cinema and the competitive nature of multiple studios and, you know, a very healthy environment for cinema? No. Do you want to see Wolverine and Captain America? Fuck yes, I do. God, yeah. Can we make that happen? Do you want to see Galactus? Yeah, God, I love to see Galactus in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I fucking love to. Wait, wait, Disney owns everything. What? What's happened here? Oh no, this isn't what I wanted. It's too fucking late now, bitch. The mouse owns you. Michael Rat has you, motherfucker. Um, but that's the point. But that's the only that's the only way we can get Daredevil and Spider-Man to all play in the same Sandbox. New York, yeah. right, guys? Everything's fine. <laughs> Every, I want that to happen because that's happened in the comics. It's like, yeah, but the price for that is a monopoly of media. So, I mean, cool. We might get a good Fantastic Four movie for the first time ever. Mm. Like, who knows? Maybe we'll. Is that worth paying the price of possibly Disney taking over the world? Did they make Nazi propaganda in the 30s <laughs> and 40s? Who can tell? Who can say? Yeah. And we, we, we'll, we want we'll never good content. Know. We're not going to say, like, you, just because you want to see a good Fantastic Four film makes you a bad person. Of course not. Of course not. But the fan service is how it starts. This stuff is how it starts. Because it, it, it's like saying, if we put it in there and they talk about it, this is where it will go. I mean, Space Jam has tons of fan service. And yet at the same time, it's self-deprecating. Because it's like, it acknowledges that this is not that movie. But they don't actively say there was a previous movie. It's like, oh, look, the Toon Squad shirts. They're from the previous film. Yeah, but you don't acknowledge that there was a previous film with previous events. So what? why is this here? What's the <laughs> point? Oh, look, we put, a, we put a nod in our fucking Ready Player One style basketball game with the fucking rapey fucking droogs from A Clockwork Orange. Who's that a fan service reference to? <laughs> what is that? Oh, it's just a reference. That's not a reference, motherfucker. What is that? Oh, it, the important thing is it's owned by Warner Brothers, so That's, it can just yes. be all smooshed into one thing because everything a... has to be a cinematic universe these days, and we need Bugs Bunny to hang out with the fucking Drugs. Oh, fuck me, Viddy well, brother. Eh, uh, Viddy well, brother. Um, uh, brother. Yeah, uh, what's up, <laughs> rapists? Eh, <laughs> uh, singing in the rain. Um, but fucking hell. But um, we should probably 
yeah, we should talk about some very specific examples. I know people are thinking, guys, there's a couple of really big ones you haven't mentioned. We say, oh, we know. We've been saving <laughs> them. So before we get into all of that, today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller or tote. We're heading into the autumn and the winter months. You've got more stuff to carry with you now because you've got your things to keep warm, your scarves, your gloves, your umbrellas. Make sure that you've got them all with you and all contained snugly in a wonderful DB backpack. We are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10 or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on. Time to get going. So we've kind of touched on all all the different forms of, of fan service and where it comes from, how it has changed given the rise of the internet and social media, all those other things. Do we want to kind of go through some some of the worst offenders and, and some of the ones that we actually think kind of do it well and, and don't do it in a way that's not uh, detracting from the film's quality. Yes, but we're not going to do it in the way we tend to where we all have our own nominations. This is just a general group forum discussion. Um, yes. I'm going to jump in with one immediately, though. I'm just going to shout one thing at you. Ready? Bond! <laughs> Bond <laughs> exists <laughs> and thrives on fan service. It's not just that it has to... It's a checkbook. It, it isn't actually, by definition, a Bond film unless you have the fan service. And I'm not talking about... You know, Bond could say, oh, obviously it's the um, Shaken Not Stirred stuff. Like, yes, that's repeti- uh, repetition stuff. That's part of it. The fact that I just sang that... The perfect yeah. example of that is the Aston Martin in Skyfall. Like, why Fucking Why is that car in that film at all? Because it is. Well, Because James Bond, motherfuckers. Like, if you've never seen a James Bond movie before, if somehow... So somehow you have avoided, like, the pop culture phenomenon that is James Bond, you don't know about the Aston Martin, you don't know about the song, you don't know about all the, like, you know, 60-year history of that franchise... And you go into Skyfall blind. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Why is this weird music playing and he's driving a weird car with an old lady in an ejector seat? What the fuck is happening? Yeah. I just happen to have a 60-year-old car in a shed somewhere. It's like, or a garage in London. It's like, cool, let's go, right. let's go see Albert Finney. You're like, what? Uh, aren't you meant to be an inconspicuous <laughs> fucking spy? Is this the most efficient way to drive to Scotland? Exactly. It's 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 amazingly frustrating because that's why I did my opening quote the way I did for this episode. Um, at one point he's you know she's you can complain the whole way flips the uh the the gear shift and has the little red button. Oh go on then eject me. It's like <sighs> so this is obviously a reference to um Goldfinger um and how in that movie eject the sheet she must be joking. Sixty years later, we're still talking about that fucking ejector seat. And if you don't know what it is, don't worry because the fans will know immediately. But on top of that, you start to underlie it with punch up. So she has to talk about eject me. It's an ejector seat. I know what it is. Ejector seat is such a weird plastic toy gimmick from the sixties. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what is that going to do? I mean, they're not going to die 
if they fall out of a car. And it's like, it's so dumb, but that's fine. But then to include it in this very serious, grounded 2012 movie, um, where there's like, oh, we also have this, and it's very, it's so frustrating. And Bond is like that. So every time you have like, I mean, Die Another Day, part of the problem with Die Another Day was how much fan service. That was one of the things that mm. killed it. The dumb plot, the silly stuff, the overtop CGI, but didn't really work very well. Blah, 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 blah. That, these are all factors. The nail, they're all nails in the coffin. But the thing that kind of pissed people off was the fan service. It's the the callbacks, the references, if you want, because obviously I know these things are three kind of different things, but they're all sort of like uh, arrows in the quiver, shall we say. Um, they're all uh, part of the arsenal of fan service. What can we do to get you? The live motif for the score. The, and it doesn't always have to make sense, but Bond is a bastard for it. And it can be funny. It can subvert it sometimes, the whole, give me a vodka martini. It's like, uh, do you shake it? Also, do I like a give a damn? It's like, ah, it's different. But I still recognize he's a, he's it. He's a cool hip Bond who don't give a shit. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because give me some alcohol. Yep. Or still ordered a weird wanky drink. You're really cool. You drink Heinekens. Oh fucking <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, we'll the, do that's a, that's a real man drink. We um, we can do a whole interseason about product placement at some point. Yeah. Definitely. Or we just talk about <laughs> Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> the best example, and yet people said, "Now yeah, we'll carry on anyway." Yeah. But yeah, fan service is really frustrating in Bond because. No matter how far you think you are, and this is why I, I want to bring it up specifically, and we talk about it being detrimental to the movie, it means you can never progress. You can never mm. move forward. You can start moving forward with a golden eye or a casino royale, but you can't keep moving forward. Bond cannot evolve because of it. He has to be the commanding dinosaur. It's got it's a franchise with bungee ropes attached to the back mm. of it. And the, the harder it, it runs, the further it gets tugged back when that snap eventually Definitely. happens. Definitely. Um, and it's, it's infuriating because of it. And some people say that the Bond's one of those examples where people say, yeah, but it wouldn't be Bond without it. The fan service is part of it. And people will actively defend it because they're fans. Um, <laughs> but again, it's ostracizing new audiences. And that is circling the same drain. Now, I'm going to, again, I'm, I, I get the references. I get the point of it. And I know why it's there. And I apologize to anyone who's thinking, oh, don't come after that. I like it. Sure. But if you are thinking about this purely uh, from two different strands, one, from an artistic point of view, you're just making the same movie over and over and over and over and over and over. That is pure stagnation. And it just happens to be successful because of branding. Or alternatively, you think about it from a commercial point of view, you are cannibalizing this thing and no one's going to watch the same movie again and again, which is why you get the diminishing returns and people being disappointed and like, yeah, it didn't really, uh, didn't really do much. Mm. Like, yeah, because it's the same fucking thing. You, the, the number of check things that it, the boxes that it has to check has grown so many that it limits what you can actually do with the film mm -hmm, itself mm -hmm. because you're spending all your time ticking boxes. Oh, is there a, are there two Bond girls and is one of them evil? And that's how you get to shit like Ready Player One that we mentioned earlier, yeah. which is just one big fucking checklist of stuff. And Bond, yeah. with its history, could very well get into that situation and sometimes does where you just get like oh no especially when you get like the modern Q stuff whereas like mm. oh do i need a pen You're like why would you need a pen 007 well i don't know maybe it'll have lasers and explode like, why would it do that like that that's barely even a joke like i don't know yeah. again it's just listing references for the sake of listing references so people can could can do the leonardo dicaprio thing of like hmm 
I got I got the meme. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the reference. Yeah. I'm the meme. Look, look, me, look. I'm like Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the thing. Or I got that reference, which is the Captain America thing as well. It's like, is there more to life than just getting references? Not if you're Ernest Klein, there isn't. No. And you have the question, like, when it becomes... Um, I mean, here's a question. Like, is it fan service or not? In the original Doctor, though, Ursula Andress steps out of the ocean and uh, <laughs> Sean Connery sings a local Jamaican song, I believe. And it's like, this is terrible. Um, <laughs> it's so weird and it's so 60s, but it exists because it exists in its timepiece and blah, blah, blah. Fine. Then you get Die Another Day with uh, Halle Berry stepping out of the ocean in the exact same shot and things. Oh, okay. Get the nod. It's like, yes, because this is Bond 20. Everything is a nod. Everything's a thing. Everything is, all the props are in the background, which, if anything, is fan service, not just references, because it doesn't forward the plot. It's there as an Easter egg hunt, and it actually confuses me because it means all these films happened, which you are kind of acknowledging and kind of making us say, no, that didn't happen, though. This is just for the fan service. Like, well, then don't do it. Star Wars yeah. prequels. Another value example. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all just... Darth Vader built C-3PO. What? Why would... (laughs) How did he... The timeline... Why don't Mm. they remember... The fuck are you talking about? I think the prequels are a perfect example. And yes, folks, we will get onto them one day properly. Yeah. We've (laughs) tackled Rides of Skywalker. We've tackled Solo. We will get to the prequels. We promise. But they're so fanservice-y. And it's George Lucas being a fan of George Lucas referencing stuff that George Lucas loves about George Lucas stuff. <laughs> yeah. And just wanking himself off to be like, see, here's the origin story of C-3PO. You needed that, right? Because everybody loves C-3PO. Mm. Like, nobody likes I, no, 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 we, we don't want yeah. that. You barely told us the origin story of Darth Vader at this point. Just just <laughs> tell us other stuff. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. but the the guys from the, the scene in, in episode four, the, the, the Ball Chidian and the, I don't like you very much, Dr. Rivarian. Yeah. He's in the, He's yeah. in the Rogue One bit, so he walks past and he does the thing. I think I brought this up multiple times in the show previously just because that's the thing that annoys me the most about that film I love. And it's like, but aren't they supposed to be like halfway across the galaxy in like 20 minutes time? <laughs> like this doesn't... That, the, you, you've just got them there so people can go, oh, there, it's the same, it's the thing. Uh, what's yeah. his name? What the, What's his face from the, from the other one? Yeah, that's him. Brilliant. Don't care. That, that doesn't add anything. You just have annoying cunts in the cinema going, oh yeah, it's him with the... And everybody goes, like, fuck off. Yeah. If you're cheering I... Dr. And again, me, oh, I know a shit ton about Star Wars, more than most people, more than your average Joe, but I can't remember that fucker's name most of the time. <laughs> it's the Bolchinian and Dr. Evazarian, Evers, Evazarian, something like that. And it's like, they don't need to be in there. You did, you're just having little... Oh yeah, it's that guy moments. Like, I want more yeah. in my movies than just oh yeah, it's that guy moments. And and that's the thing because you either have the overt thing, and the, the frustration is you have the overt like oh look and just to bring back Bond for a second, Halle Berry coming out. We're recreating it. Yeah 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 great. Casino Royale comes out. Oh oh you thought a woman was coming out of the water, but it's not it's, uh, Daniel Craig. Still fan service guys. It's still it, it, oh, you just show it off. He the looks good boy. in those pants though, doesn't he? I mean sure yeah. His lovely blue <laughs> um, eyes. But that's the point. It's 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 this very strange. We're going to give the fans what they want. Fans don't know what they fucking want. Mm. Um, but we, we and and I know we just did a bit of a scratch the surface of Star Wars. We should save about a bit because that is a deep vein to mine oh, into. Oh, it is absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Tim, do you want to segue us to something a little bit different? Yes, 
Let's let's talk about Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Yes. Because interesting. For the most part, Lord of the Rings does a very good job of balancing fan expectations and the constraints of film. There's a quote and I think I think it's one of those things that it's it's been said so often that it's not really attributable to anyone. Mm. But apologies if I'm forgetting who it belongs to, where it's don't give people what they want. Give give them what they don't realise they want. Oh yeah, I bang on my that shit all the time. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think necessarily the Lord of the Rings are the, the, the prime example of that because they do hew very close to the books and they they gave people what they wanted, but they didn't they didn't do it in a way that excluded the rest of the the world. It doesn't feel like you're reading the Silmarillion when you read those books. <laughs> oh, when you watch those films, I should say. Yes, yes. Um, however, the Hobbit uh, then comes along and. First of all, they make the mad decision to make it three films. That's the big one, isn't it? And yeah. then they turn go, a kids' book that is smaller than one of the Lord of the Rings books into three of its own movies. Like brilliant. Mm. Yeah. And part part of that is a studio wanting another big trilogy. Yeah, trying to save itself. Obviously. But equally, I think it's partly because there was a fan expectation of, well, if we're doing more Lord of the Rings stuff, it's got to have that same tone. And it's got to be a big trilogy because that's what Lord of the Rings was. It's like, well, no, if you read the books, they're very different types of stories. Um, just because they're set in the same universe does not make them the same kind of film. And to fill up that room that they needed to fill because The Hobbit cannot make up three movies worth of content, you got stuff like, let's bring back Galadriel. Let's bring back Saruman. Let's have them face off with Sauron. And all that stuff yeah, that got included yeah. in The Hobbit that was entirely needless didn't add really anything to the plot of the film it explained where gandalf went off to yeah yes, the, the, the whole like fuggers off and comes back again the whole like necromancer thing is also sauron it's like is it though like in the books it, it yeah. might be but who cares like none of this fucking matters and, and then you have the the emotional climax between a very sort of weird Legolas and his dad kind of seeing eye to eye and says, go with the yeah. Dunedain. There's a little boy there. <laughs> it's like, that's not really setting things up. That's not really, that's fan service because it's, it's Aragorn. We get it. Yeah. That's shit. But it's not, again, it's not, it's not like it's a subtle, sly nod. It's nothing that's clever or like, ah, but if you, you don't have to know what this means. It's like, but the, 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 it, it's the way it's shot. It's the way it's presented. It hangs on it for a couple of seconds, like, oh, mm. I wonder who yeah. this could be. It's the big oh, wink, wink and nod to camera, isn't it? Right? Because yeah. the Lord of the Rings, know that shit. the the you know late nineties, mm. early two thousand yeah. trilogy, is full of that stuff. It's full of the good stuff where you'll be like, <laughs> oh yeah, well, blah blah blah, and so and so from this kingdom did the thing, and all the book nerds go, oh, I see, yeah. what you, I see what you're doing there, but they don't go like, oh yes. When I spent 15 years in so-and-so kingdom, flashback to so-and-so kingdom, here's Gandalf as a young man hanging out with this king and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Whereas the Hobbit is like, well, yes, go and, as you said, Matt, go and hang out with a young human boy who might one day need your help. <laughs> he might need to return. King. <laughs> one day he shall return. To his yeah, and it, if you're watching the film, you think, "Oh, we're going to see that now." And it's like, "No, no, 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 that's for later." Oh, well, why did you tell me then? No, no, no that's, that's do from, anything. That's from twenty years ago. I mean, twenty years forward. 
um, it's from the films yeah, we've already seen. The other ones, yeah, it's from the other film. <laughs> it's like the the worst part of the original trilogy is the ending where it's them giving themselves a pat on the back for making such a lovely film, <laughs> and then and then you get and you get so many dozens of endings, and so many of them feel false because. I mean, obviously, a lot of them are actual endings of like, oh, it's a coronation of a king, or it's Frodo going off to the other, you know, lands and stuff like that. Mm. But it's Sam getting his there's, there's a weird self awareness to it where it's like, well, we know that the film is the film trilogy is almost over, so everything is now imbued with meaning. It's like, motherfucker, your characters don't know that. You're just <laughs> carrying carrying on as normal. Yeah. Why are you Why are you treating everything like it's the last day of school? Yes, like when <laughs> it's when it's an, just another date or, or you know it might be a special day like i say you know when frodo leaves and stuff like that but yeah stuff like oh look here's sam getting married and let's you know all this kind of stuff that's the last shot of and, the lord of the rings yeah that's so weird and so much of the hobbit is that it's them patting themselves on the back it's them taking that moment to look to camera and go you know what that means don't you mm. and and it's so aggravating because it it doesn't it feels like you're watching the the beauty of the Lord of the Rings films is that they're not self aware. They're just telling any, an adventure in it's any way. They're thing. just yeah. telling you the good story. And the Hobbit films start to have that stuff creep in where they're like, "We know where this is going, don't we?" Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Just to, to sort of push things into a different direction in terms of content, Jack. So we did obviously the three of us did the live stream about kevin smith films we did you referenced it slightly earlier do you want to kick us off with some kevin smith rage well um or you mean at least. you mean one of the highest rated uh audience score rotten tomatoes <laughs> kevin smith films, oh, Matthew. Fuck, yeah I forgot yeah, about that. yeah no yeah oh, that's that's my little wink and a nod that i won't let you forget matthew <sighs> that's the thing that will i will drill into your brain until the day you die <laughs> I'm so but, upset right now. But yes, the the biggest problem I had with Jane Silent Bob reboot is that it makes so many references to previous Kevin Smith movies that it becomes like a parody of itself and literally winks to camera at times. And the the most egregious one is Ben fucking Affleck. And I know uh, it and I know it ties to the Snyder cut again. I promise I won't go on a rant again. Here we are. Again. When he does the like talks about Batman's mum. What was her name again? I was like, oh, that's quite a clever line. And then he turns to camera and just stays there <laughs> for like eight <laughs> seconds, staring into the camera like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Audience. Which in huh? and of itself is a reference and is fan service to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Jay and Silent Bob Wait. Strike Back has fan service. But it kind of works. Exactly, exactly. Well, the fact that we rated it much, much higher in our yes, Kevin I, Smith I, I breakdown. Yes, yes. Go and check out the live stream, as Matt said earlier. Yeah, It's a whole thing where like he's referencing things that reference things. So it's like this weird masturbatory time loop of like this weird fan servicing <laughs> the fan service stuff. Yeah, like if the real and, hardcore and adding nothing in the repetition. That's the there key, Tim. That's the key. There's no like, oh, it's a funny twist on that reference, or like, oh, he subverted expectations from Strike Back to when he does reboot or something. It's like, nope, just the same joke twice, but twenty years later, and a long turn and pause and stare at the camera because <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, and, and it's it, it's not just as as you guys said that, that it doesn't add more to the thing, it doesn't progress the thing. It feels like it's you know 
tilting the bottle upside down and saying again, I've shaken this up now. I was like, no, it's the same thing. And you've just dislodged <laughs> the silt. One that really stood out to me, and there's quite a few of them in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. In Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which I think is funny still, even if it's very problematic, and also is a nice little end to the viewers' universe. There's obviously there's tons of characters and things coming back and like motifs and bits and pieces. Fine, deal with that shit. One thing in that is when um, Sean William Scott has a character, and he's the patsy, basically, uh, for the diamond heist. It's the whole plot of the story, effectively, kind of, uh, in addition to the, the movie rights and the likeness rights of these characters. And Jay is threatened by this guy and decides to trick him and saying, hey man, so you love animals? Yeah, I love animals. Would you fuck a sheep? What? It's disgusting. Yeah, you might have the gut, a little boy. And it's like, no, 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 no. You misunderstand me. If you were a sheep, would you fuck another sheep? He goes, well, in that case, you bet your ass I would. He goes, there you go. He's not one of us. He'd fuck a sheep. And he chucks him out. And he does. And again, I love this line for some reason. I don't know why. He leans out, flips him off and says, who's stupid now, you dirty sheep fucker? And it's like, it's a silly little moment. Now, in Jane Silent Bob reboot, they're escaping capture from the Ku Klux Klan. And Jay, spoiler for this movie. I don't care. I usually care about these things, but I don't care about this. <laughs> Jay's, unbeknownst to her, but known to him, daughter, Millennium Falcon. Played by Kevin Smith's real daughter, Harley Quinn Smith. Correct. Get that they escape the and they drive off and she leans out and says, I think, I think she says the exact same line, now who's stupid? You dirty sheep fucker. And it's like, they're not sheep fuckers. That, I mean, I, it's just an insult, but why would you... Did you inherit that genetically <laughs> as a catchphrase? Because you don't know this Maybe. man. You've never met him. Yeah. Do insults go through the DNA? They're, pa they're passed on through the midichlorians. <laughs> yeah. She's called. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's a very odd. It's such a way a weird thing, and it, it's only there so someone can say, "Ah, I remember that." It's pure fan service, and it's and it's it's. For anyone who's never seen the movie, it's going to be... Or, sorry, but see the products that they regard. I don't know, it's an unusual situation because they're not the ones being... The main ones being marketed to, as it were. The, the main audience It's like, well then, sure, but what's the point in telling that story then? Because ultimately, who, who, are, you, who are you making this for? If it's just the same fans who saw the same movie in the year 2000 or whatever it was, then ultimately, you're not going to grow the audience. You're not going to get anything more revenue-wise than what you put out in the first place. If, you know... If you're telling a story, surely you want everyone to see the story. Whether they like it or don't like it, that's fine. But you want everyone to see the story. If you're putting things in there actively to push people away, because they're like, sheep, fuck it. That doesn't make any sense. It's like, oh, well, they're just, you know, kids. Like, sh sure, I guess. And I know there's a lot of that dumb moment sort of stuff. And yeah, it's... it's Kevin Smith's ones are very frustrating because in his earlier career with the dogma and chasing Amy stuff, there were sly nods and they actually mostly kind of worked. They weren't too bad because the the link of the the viewers universe, the, tell them Steve, Dave, the repetition, the recurring nature of this expanded thing. It kind of, it was, it was, uh, it was harmless. Mm. It was background stuff that didn't seem to be, it seemed coincidental. It's going back to that thing of it, it didn't detract from the film overall mm, mm, mm. because it was just small moments within a larger film that functioned and stood up by itself. Correct. When when the film is just made of those moments, it collapses in on itself. It's like a yeah, black yeah. hole of references. Yeah. And it's amazing how there are certain things that will... I'm just going to give you another, another example of, of films where... We talk about retroactive fixes, right? We talk about right at the start of this thing about um, this, the Snyder Cup being a retroactive fix. Like, oh, we've heard the fan stuff and we've decided to do something different now. As opposed to 
they've heard our campaign. They'll change the flames on Optimus. No, they didn't. No one knew shit. Um, <laughs> oh, well, Kevin Smith knows now. That's the thing he doesn't, you know, the public don't want to see. Kevin Smith don't give a fuck. He actively likes that stuff. He'll put it in there because it's funny to him and he'll do it. And I, on a level, respect that. But I also don't think that's stifling your creativity. But anyway, an example of something that is so out of place because it is based on something that doesn't exist in this universe. It is something tangentially released and separate and side to it. Uh, one that jumps to mind is, I'm the juggernaut, bitch! <laughs> God. Now, yes. to explain, if you watched <laughs> X-Men The Last Stand, the third X-Men movie at that point we've, in the mid We've done an episode on it. Go and, go and listen to that. Please go watch the film. Well. Go and listen yeah. to the episode. And Vinnie Jones plays Juggernaut. Fine. Whatever. He's chasing Kitty Price for a building, and he says, Don't you know who I am? I'm the Juggernaut, bitch! Now, that's a stupid line. And then he says, Now who's the stupid one, you dirty sheep fucker? Um, no, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's been, a weird... That would have been funny. It would have been funny. It actually would have been really funny. Um, it's like, okay, cool. It is an active reference to a meme circulation of a dub or a you know, fan dub or whatever of the X-Men old X-Men cartoon series, stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Of just this, It wasn't even delivered like that either. It'd be almost just like, I'm the juggernaut bitch, I'm the, I'm the juggernaut bitch, and we'd just almost go through it in just a conversational bitch. Uh, like in, in, in announcing one's name followed by, I'm the juggernaut bitch. And I'm Javert, etc. <laughs> and it's, it's fascinating because it's only in there as a reference to something that is, and this is what I talk about, the nature of le- legacy and longevity. It was stupid when it was released. It's baffling now. If anyone's going back and watching Last Stand and going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. And that's pure fan service. There's only, it's, it's literally catering to a very, it's like if you had a new Shrek film or a Shrek reboot, which is probably inevitable, and they will do um, somebody one. Anyway, it's like, we have to have that back. That's a cool bag. Okay, fine. Yeah, sure. That's, that's, Kind of pandering, but sure, fine. And then you have, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I'm, I live in a swamp. I'm voted by another person. Oh, it's a different actor, but still Scottish accent. Oh, great. And then something, yeah, Shrek is amazing. You know what? Shrek is like, Shrek is love. Shrek, Shrek is life. It's like, don't, don't, don't put oh, that in the film. Oh, no, <laughs> they're going to do that, aren't they? See, that's the, that's the idea of fan service. Isn't it? And kids will go, Shrek, yeah, he's, he's love is life. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not, a, that's a joke for us. It goes over your head. But yeah, the X X Men has a lot of it, and it's. I should probably pass Tim because Tim's obviously <laughs> he's our he's our mutant boy. Yeah, I mean, they, they, there's some interesting ones in in the X Men franchise, and mm. some and some terrible ones. You know, you have things like Days of Future Past, where it recognised that fans had essentially hated Last Stand and X Men Origins Wolverine, mm. both of them sequelized by us. Yeah, you're welcome. And so it it made it part of the plot of the film that it essentially wiped those out of the timeline, which is like such a petty <laughs> act of of sort of uh, retroactive continuity. Yeah. Like, you don't need to do that. You can just have those bad... Doesn't gain fil- anything yeah. by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You've got... Because people are still... Completions are still going to buy and People are still going to watch them. It's not going to go, well, I won't buy that one or I won't have that one in my collection. If you're selling a box set of those films... You're not going to not include it. Yeah. So what's the point? 
it's it, X Men's one an interesting one where you have kind of almost like dueling fan agendas mm. because you essentially have you have the kind of popular conception of the X Men from when it when they were at their biggest where it's like oh Wolverine's the best Wolverine's everyone's favorite character and let's make the films all about Wolverine because everyone loves him and the and cinema audiences also loved him you know mm-hmm. um, but you have that butting up against people who a he is not their favorite character and have the fact that that then derailed how a lot of the other plots in the films played out for example making him so central to last stand when it was essentially um a dark phoenix story which should have been about gene and cyclops Mm -hmm. you have him become the person who goes back in time in days of future past when in the comics that's kitty pride like all these Yeah, yeah And, you know, even in films where they're like, ah, no, we're trying to reset the franchise now. We're going to, you know, it's X-Men Apocalypse. We've got the people who you liked from uh, from first class. And we've got these new kids who are going to be the new generation of the old generation. But now they're young. Don't worry, we've moved on from Wolverine, except also here's some Wolverine for you. <laughs> we can't escape Wolverine. Thank God he doesn't age because we'll just keep using him forever. Yes, exactly. Actors don't fucking age, yeah. So it, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting one where both a certain subset of kind of the comic fans and the general cinematic audience have kind of put a, a weight on the way you know the the sort of they've they've weighed down the franchise to a certain angle. So it's like okay, well they people really liked Wolverine, so I guess we're going to just give them more and more Wolverine for the rest of these films until you're sick mm. of him. Till we till we fuck it up with origins, and then we have to go and uh, oh now you like now you like uh, Magneto and uh, Professor X. Okay, we're gonna make all the films about Magneto and Professor X. Yeah, and eventually it becomes you get like we missed the agenda. Oh, we fucked it, we fucked it, and then then somehow course corrects something that's good, and you go, damn, you kind of shit. Logan is very good. You kind of damn it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not to say that Wolverine should not be in these films. It's like there's plenty no, of good but... stories you can tell with him, but you can't tell every story with him and you can't pretend that he is the protagonist of every x-men story throughout the history of their publication precisely tell that to jason aaron yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a reference for you comic man <laughs> wolverine I, and the x-men am i right guys comic book readers a, you got my you uh, got my back right i've got an interesting segue there for you then spider-man and eventually the mcu because that's a big one we need to talk about. Mm. Although MCU is, is is very much... No, get the Spider-Man first. Let's get it out of the way. Because it's actually going to ta- cap off something I said earlier. Now I said, I'm going to juggle, bitch. Fucking stupid. Terrible. What an awful age thing to do. What an awful idea for your movie. And yet, the end post credit sequence from Into the Spider-Verse, I absolutely fucking love. <laughs> but it's the exact same thing. Now that's... Fucking hypocrisy for you. Um, for those who don't know, I'm not going to tell you. Because it's, if you haven't seen this Spider-Verse, you need to do yourself a, a fucking absolute favour and go watch that amazing movie. Um, I don't think anyone who's listened to this podcast hasn't seen it. I've talked about this, in case. that film about 150 times in this show, probably. <laughs> yep. Give or take. Yep. So that is a weird one. They're not the mm. same thing, because one is a post-credit scene that is deliberately ah, disconnected from the yeah, film. Yeah, exactly. And the yeah, other one fair, un- undercuts a moment of tension where you're meant that's to true, you're, that's true. your focus in that moment is meant to be oh how is kitty pride going to escape from this character that's that's huge and indestructible and super strong and then it 
fucking does and the also meme. also Vinnie Jones for some reason. And all, That's true. Yeah. It also actively acknowledges that the idea that there are multiple alternate versions of Spider-Man and therefore by definition this could be an alternate version of Spider-Man. It yeah. counts. That's fair. Al- Th- there you go. Also, explain it. also, Spider-Man 2099 is amazing. Yeah. And... Oscar fucking Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Yes. Yeah. The components all work. You've got. You've got. You've got choosing between Vinnie Jones and Oscar Isaac. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I still maintain it's fan service, but I think. Oh, it's it's absolutely fan service. Yeah. But like we say, it's it's all so much of it is execution, and whether it detracts from what the film film is doing overall, and that absolutely doesn't, especially because you're a you're in a different medium, you're in animation, which is a little bit more flexible. And it's a film that has that sense of humour. You know, you've yeah, you've totally. got stuff it's like a place. Peter Parker's Christmas singles thing. Ah, uh, yeah, that's good. Spiders that's themed good restaurant and stuff like yeah. that. Um, you know, you've got these funny jokes. Whereas yes. X Men Last Stand was very po faced and then suddenly had this fucking meme shit in it. Yeah, that that's 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 the difference. Like, if you want the definition, that's that's perfectly it. Well done. To, to, to actually take the Wolverine thing further, though, bring us to the MCU. The MCU has a lot of fan service to a degree, but the big one, the absolute behemoth, is changing the direction of everything to cater to one thing the fans like. Mm. Now, one could say the fan service is Thanos, right? It's like, no, that's setting things up. That's that's just literally where the story is going. To say, to court death and smile. That's kind of fan servicey a little bit, mm. but it's a, it's sly and subtle and doesn't him impede on things. Fine, that works. The use of Loki. Loki being the Wolverine of that universe where it has to be... Pretty much, sim- yeah. Seemingly everything is about him. And that's fine, that's what Loki is. That's the whole point. And people love Tom Hiddleston and, and mm. he makes everyone feel good in the pants. But the point is that... Loki. Have you seen him dance, Matthew? I'm not. Have you seen Tom Tom Hiddleston work his snake hips? I'm almost annoyed if people dance like like Sam Rockwell and stuff. And I know it it makes him like oh another amazing talent because I can't do it. There is a difference between Sam Rockwell who contractually has it in every single movie, (laughs) and Tom Hiddleston did it on a talk show one, and everybody was subtly pregnant. Like, (laughs) more importantly, have you seen him sell you uh, daily vitamins when you're a Japanese person? Oh, it's it is it the um the Phil Wang version of that. Yeah. That's like what are you doing in my house? Yeah. Uh, that's that's phenomenal. <laughs> Excuse me. Um but yes, no, Loki is a weird one because he's a villain in Thor and he's very good. And then he's in Avengers and it makes sense for him to be there. Mm. And then he's everywhere <laughs> all the time, never dies. <laughs> and it's like keep giving the fans what they want. At the expense of everything, give him, and again, give, give him more Loki, more Lokis. <gasps> I've got an idea. Yeah, and the thing is, the problem is, I'm always like, yeah, this works. It's great. That's the I, I fucking feed into it a little bit. Well, but... the, the the place where it doesn't work is Thor: The Dark World, where they essentially oh. retooled that movie because they were like, oh shit, like we knew we knew Loki was good and that he was going to be the villain in Avengers but like mm. people really fucking like him we've got we've got to put more Loki in this movie or what about like developing the villain and stuff nah fuck that shit villain's not <laughs> important just, it's just Christopher Eccleston into makeup and we'll just say he's from evil part of the universe there we go that's done Fli- Flibbleheim yeah problem solved yeah here's on he talks like this ah but really it's about Loki um, that's a very valid point. And the thing is, in Thor Ragnarok, it makes good on that and it makes it work. And it's, again, it it plays up the humour and it, it, it leans into it nicely. Uh, the start of Infinity War, 
the the bullet point thing that re- makes you realize that the film ain't gonna fuck around is that Thanos beats the shit out of the Hulk, and you go, oh <laughs> god, damn, and then he kills Loki. Spoilers for Infinity War, mm. and says <laughs> no more resurrections, and it's like holy shit, holy sh. They are coming for blood. Oh my god! And I remember sitting in the cinema watching the cinema watching that, and a woman next to us started bawling. She wasn't ready. Mm. And I thought, I thought, guys, if they're gonna do, what I think they're gonna do this whole film is gonna be dark <laughs> as fuck, and I love, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm here for this. But she was like, oh, he's my fan service. Yeah, and I think that the MCU is very good at course correcting. Um, it's because there's enough time to do because so. it has because it has the time, it has the money to do so. It, the problems come when it's caught unawares, when mm. it goes, uh, oh shit, this Loki's really popular. Fuck, we need to retool this Thor film. Oh shit, Black Panther did fucking bank at the box office. We need to rewrite Infinity War so that the finale takes place in Wakanda. Yes. Um, we need to yeah. we need to reshoot it so that uh, Black Panther is the first person you see coming through the portals, even though it's Sam who's saying on your left arguably should probably be the first one to fly through you know it's it's those kind of moments where you're like ah i can see the seams here where where something took you unaware and you weren't aware and rather than going oh okay we'll take that on board for the future they're frantically Mm -hmm. trying to adjust for it in the moment because of the fan demand and yes that's where you can start you can see the seams the mcu is an interesting one because there's so much comic stuff for it to draw on. Um, mm-hmm. And it does stuff like, oh, like, okay, we're going to do Civil War. Now, Civil War is a very popular comic book in the mid-2000s. Looking back, it's not very good. But yeah, because so, it's so. an adaptation, it, it allows them to nod towards it while also making it an entirely different story. <laughs> um, and just <laughs> take things like, oh, there's that iconic bit where it's like Cap, doing the shield and iron man shooting the beams well still that image that's good yes you know i i'm when that when that first well probably the second trailer actually thinking about it for civil war came out the one with spider-man in it where everyone was like oh shit they've got spider-man now it's the hey guys bit that wasn't the thing that i was like pumped about the moment Mm -hmm. i was pumped about was seeing ant-man on one of hawkeye's arrows oh yeah yeah i was like oh yeah i love it when they do that that was a bit of fan service that i was totally there for but again, it's stuff that doesn't pull away from the story. So I could see Ant-Man 3 very dangerously, I don't trust Peyton Reed, very dangerously <laughs> doing some fan service where they just reference something and I'm like, mm, that's your I'm the juggernaut bitch moment. Where they're like, you know, oh, we, we stopped Thanos. Yeah, well, what, what, what could I have done? Like, you know, I don't know, jumped up his ass and gone big? And it's like, don't do that. Yeah. And I feel like... That's the exact movie where they make that stupid kind of reference. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, move away from uh, moving from Disney to Disney. <laughs> because everything is Disney. Yeah. It's all Disney all the way down. Brought to you by... No, no, Spawn. They're not going to sponsor us. Uh, right. Yes. Uh, let's talk about Star Wars. Because Star Wars is very problematic. What? Very problematic indeed. Since when? 1983. Ah, <laughs> fuck that. 1980. Um, so basically, Star Wars has fan service. The original trilogy doesn't have a lot of it. This, the original trilogy is fan service because it's you know uh, to the it's an homage stories to of, serials. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's exactly. It, it's fan service to George Lucas. He is the fan that it's yes. servicing. 
He's the, yeah, precisely. And things I want to see. But then the, the prequels were weird. They were fan service. They're a very interesting early example of the thing I said about Transformers, where people say, I'm just going to tell the story I want to tell. And uh, it's about the Jedi. And Jar Jar is a big thing. He's, he's the most important thing. And like, okay, fine. You get to Revenge of the Sith. Jar Jar's got a, a scene, I think, maybe. Oh, it was like one of very brief scenes. But that's the point. That's backlash and correcting it as it's going on. Because there's no way that he wrote all those scripts beforehand and didn't amend it because of the fan outrage. That cohesion isn't there. But there are things like he tries to almost course correct in a way. He's trying to justify things and palm it off as fan service and palm it off as intentional filmmaking. So you get things like Oh look! When Django Fett goes into Slave One, he bangs his head. Oh, Django God. Fett looking like that and going to Slave One is, is fan service enough. Without the donk, that's why all the one of the stormtroopers did it in the original Star Wars. Like, what they're all you... the same size, right? Because they're all clones and stuff. Except that's such a they're established deep that stormtroopers are not clones because those stormtroopers are different heights. Yeah, and it's like you're watching this uh... and thinking, why did he just donk his head? Ah, well, now let me tell you. It's like. No, don't, because just explain why I've just watched a narrative about a cool, awesome baddie hunter of the galaxy. He's so amazing, right? And I'm going to shoot over there. Ah, fuck you, mate. And now, oh, you want your lightsaber? Don't worry, i got a fucking piton. Wow, your hands are all bound up. Donk. Ah, shit. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what the fuck is that? And Star Wars, when you get outside of the Lucas, when he sold it to Disney, fuck me, the nostalgia was hitting hard and Fuck me, the fan service was big. And it starts off with dumb shit, like you mentioned in Rogue One, Jack, and in uh, Solo's full of that dumb, dumb shit, where it's just wall-to-wall, a constant back and forth between good cinema telling a story, and and here's an example, and then this is what I'm going to get a lot of flack for. A lot of flack. The Darth Vader corridor scene is fan service, and that is technically not good. How... Dang. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't the care. The greatest people... moment in cinematic no. history. No. How Everyone dare. bangs on about it. Everyone tells me how great it is. And I understand Rosebud, it's cool to... Rosebud, my ass. That's yeah. what I say. Darth Vader <laughs> in the corridor. That's what I say. I know it's Darth a cool Vader in the corridor with the lightsaber. Off. Exactly. <laughs> what did it kill? My heart? <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I get it. But you are being pandered to. Everything about that, it's not, everyone, it gets heralded as like, it shows the power, oh God, and it's like, it's, it, no, no, Vader being in that movie is actually really frustrating because it means he's incompetent mm. and it makes everything it's saying really stupid because he knows the plan, he saw the plan, he could have had it and it makes him quite shit. I know he's like, oh, he's like, whoop, that person smashed the ceiling and he's cutting them down. It's like, yeah, I get it. But if he can see the data tape and it still gets away from him and he's stood on the, you know, the, the blown out fucking hole of the ship going, mm-hmm. ah, bugger, I'll get you. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's, it's fan service. And it's dumb. It's also not at all required by the narrative of that film. Like, In no way. Is he it. is not the villain of that piece. Krennic no, is. No, Krennic is. And, and Krennic, dead Krennic's point. dead. You know, the, the, yeah. the protagonists have all died. You're just following a bit of technology because you because of where it leads. Mm. A bit. Speaking of Krennic, fucking love Krennic, by the way. Bendo, my man. Bendo, <laughs> love him. Um, Bendo, Mendo. Bendo, Mendo. And <laughs> the don't choke on your aspirations line mm. just 
fucking drives me nuts because why would Darth Vader joke? Like, <laughs> he's not known for puns. And we know he chokes guys because it happens in the original trilogy and he chokes the guy at the, the table and stuff, one of the moths. And it's like, cool, I guess. It's like, cool, let's go visit him on his volcano castle. You're like, right. <laughs> Okay. It's, in that moment, Darth Vader is played by like the old gay guy in the bar that William H Macy talks to in Magnolia, who's just constantly <laughs> making like fancy Daniels. fancy allusions and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anthony Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get to the point where it's painful. So Star Wars has to be a trilogy. Why? Because it was a trilogy. Everything has oh, to be a trilogy. We talked about The Hobbit earlier. Why is The Hobbit a trilogy? Because <laughs> trilogies. Trilogies. Three-part structure. Humans like three, yeah. Three, three yeah. arc story and all yeah. that. People bollocks. like sevens as well. So. And it, it's Everything has to be a trilogy, except for around the year 2010, where everything was a trilogy, except the final film was two films. <laughs> yeah, they keep yeah. splitting it into two. Hello, Hunger Games and Harry Potter and... Every, every, every mainline character or group in the MCU gets a trilogy, except for Thor, because we think he could get a better one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you get to Last Jedi. We mentioned this before at great length. There's fan service in there too. It's fan service to... I meant about the, the shot for Wings, for example, recreating mm. that shot. Now, one could say that's more homage. It's not really fan service because the fans are servicing cinema nerds. <laughs> sure, kind of, but it doesn't detract from the film. If anything, it heightens the film mm. at, at a point. I know it's a scene people don't like. But that's the thing. Also, that's just, also there's, not, just, just, there's not a huge contingent of people who are out there going, I better see some fucking Wings references in my yeah. Star Wars film. Better, I mean, I'm, 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 I was thinking one of those people. I was thinking, I'm always thinking there'd be some Wings references somewhere. <laughs> First Oscar winner, are you fucking kidding me? But there's still the fan service. It's still there. It's still doing Star Wars stuff and being coy about it. What the fuck ever. Mm. Then you get the really damaging thing where in the, we've seen a lot in the last five years where cinema is being crippled is a strong word, but definitely um, stifled by projected outrage from certain members of an audience that nobody actually cared about in the first place. It's like you're not a nothing you're not a fan, but it's like if you're that pissed off, maybe the next film will fix it. Maybe the next thing will do that. But not literally fixing it by reversing it because that means you're opening up more questions and more problems. And so, for example, bringing the Emperor back doesn't make sense. Everything what? about him saying, but, some but, would consider but to be But I played Fortnite necro. and it made perfect sense to me. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Jack. Bring it up <laughs> every I know, I know. time. It's fucking hate it. It's it's so frustrating because I say it's it, it it's, it's walking the line between a callback and fan service, and they're not always the same thing. It's like you know the emperor saying to Kylo Ren, "It's like yeah, you said that previously at a weird bubble opera. I don't <laughs> think that's he doesn't get that shit. It's just a line you're saying again. Is that your now? Is that your now new catchphrase? Or or classically in um, Rise of Skywalker where. No, 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 no. Sorry, that's in. It's in Force Awakens because JJ Abrams is full of this shit. It's when um, no, no. Sorry, sorry. It's in both. <laughs> <laughs> Where they sit down at the table and they're playing the sort of fucking stop motion chess, and it's the and the fact that they play the stop motion chess on the Millennium Falcon, and it's at the exact same point it was in the first Star Wars film. Oh, God, that, that that means that that table has sat there for 
decades and no one's used it or the game is remarkably generic and it's just like a yeah. you know like a demo mode it's incredibly frustrating and stupid and it serves no point other than say do you remember in the original is and it, you get to the classic south park reference of late recent years of member berries and if you don't know the idea was the these poisonous style great looking motherfuckers who would be all about pumping nostalgia and saying remember this member i remember you remember chewbacca i remember but it's all about more about underhand. Do you remember when there weren't as many Jews in this country? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did this come from? Oh, I just remember the past. Come on, guys. Fine. <laughs> you remember? You remember the... Oh, you remember the the Enterprise? Yeah. Remember Beam Me Up, Scotty? Well, I never said Beam Me Up, Scotty. That kind of thing. It's like, it's it's all about pushing this strange go back to the past. <laughs> the past is a pretty fucked up, awful place. We, uh, know, it's not... uh, we mentioned Futurama earlier. And oh, they have yeah. the thing of... Uh... Remember when you could get uh, cookies straight from the from the bakery? <laughs> Pepperidge Farm, Farm remembers. remembers. <laughs> Do you remember when certain folks weren't allowed on golf courses? <laughs> Pepperidge Farm, Farm remembers. remembers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, again, it's about that regressive going back and back and back. And it's so fascinating. Look talked about the gatekeeper again. Star Wars is full of fucking gatekeepers. And every time you step away and you do go forward, and I'm not going to spoil things again. I, I will try my hardest. The Mandalorian first series. It's new. I mean, yeah, okay, it's a Boba Fett thing, but not Boba Fett. Great. Really interesting. Okay. Bit of fan service here and there, but sure, it makes sense. Season two. Season two is good. But the fan service is strong in that one. It is. Speaking of corridor scenes, no spoilers. Cutting. There is another corridor that scene. Is... And it's like, did we need this? Yeah. I don't think we did. And the thing is, it doesn't see any sign of stopping or slowing down. Because with, like, the, again, MCU course correcting, they're quite good at that sort of stuff. But Star Wars is still in that mire, more so, in fact. And if you think about how it was correcting itself and pandering people and giving Chewbacca his fucking medal. I know, I know <laughs> Carl Sagan talked about it in the 70s and he made a valid point about it, but that's not the point. It doesn't matter. It does nothing for the story. And when you try and course correct by doing that fan service, not only do nothing to the story in terms of like, it's just there to say, whoa, you're special, aren't you? It's, it's also not the way it should be done to actually have the impact you want it to. And it's very frustrating because to come back to what I said earlier, we don't know the motivation. We think it's money. We think it's keeping the fan base happy so they keep buying stuff. They keep coming back and back and back. But as we've seen from so many properties, it just pisses people off most of the time or goes over people's heads and stagnates and it doesn't really work. You end up having to do a reboot or something to, okay, let's try and reassess what we're doing here. So it's, it's hard to understand why people would do it in the first place and what they think the outcome is going to be. And, and this is the thing. I think this is the truth of it. This is the nature of the actual beast behind it is my sort of closing statement, Your Honor. I don't think they understand why they do it. <laughs> I think they do it as a, a, a reflex reaction. I think it's a sense of like getting into politics to control the beast and then realizing <laughs> I can't. I just I just ride it out and you have no no one has any control over it. It like a country is a thing that operates on the assumption that we all just sort of get along with each other because we agree money is real. That kind of madness is how fan service ends up in movies. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, it's just there. But it's not actually, it it's, it's, can be very detrimental to the film sometimes. It's a very positive influence in the film, like the whole, like, oh, that's okay. But it's very rarely a good thing. And there's no way of gauging if it helped or hindered the movie in terms of revenue because 
is that actually what you're trying to do? Are you actively trying to say, we are one of you, the fans, here's an example, and then show how, you know, hello, fellow children. It's like, you, you fucked it, you, you idiot. Or are you saying, don't worry, by doing this, we'll keep the fans happy and bring new people in. It's like, because you're not. You're just pissing people off and confusing them. It's a genuine riddle. I think the, the thing to remember through this is that films are massive collaborative projects. That's true. That's and true. that there's going to be things in there that are the director wanted to do it. There's going to be things that the screenwriter wanted to do it. There's going to be a lot of things where it's like there was pressure from the producers and the executives to do it. There's going to be stuff that's that production designers or costume designers were fans of and were like, oh, I'm going to throw in a little nod to like, this person's going to be wearing the coat like the, the 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 material that this coat is made of is the same material as their what their mother was wearing in the previous film fifteen years ago, kind of stuff. Mm. There's a lot. There's a lot of hands at work, and also Hollywood is notoriously. We find the nobody knows what works. There's but there's True. a lot of assumptions about what works, and I think this is one of the big assumptions. And it's a bit like this is. A, I'm going to drop another West Wing reference here. Um, yeah. there's, uh, all the, all the listeners where, are West Wing where, fans again. Ah, Tim, I get that reference. See, see, yeah, where Joey Lucas tells a story about a, a French radical who's uh, sees there all the the people in the streets protesting and goes, ah, there are my people. I must uh, find out where they're going so I can lead them there. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's there's certainly a, a, at a producer and executive level a sense of well, we've got to keep the fans happy, haven't we? And this is what keeps them happy. And no one sees the upside to pissing the fans off. Mm -hmm. um, even though, again and again, like time has proved that what people actually want is just good stories told well. Boom. Um, and they don't necessarily want all this fan service and pandering. There's some people out there who do want that, but they're, they've got brain worms. <laughs> yeah they think they want that but then when they experience actually you know what no i i, I can't even say like they, you know they, they end up realizing you know in the fire of the ashes of it all going <laughs> oh god maybe i didn't want this because the truth is that kind of uh epiphany doesn't happen recently people go nah i better double down to yeah. protect myself because <laughs> otherwise i've always been wrong and i can't have that you know what no star wars is the best thing ever and it's like i mean it's fine everything's just fine <laughs> There we go. Everything's just fine, ladies and gentlemen. That isn't the note to end the interseason on. I don't know what is. <laughs> well, the sun's going to burn us all up anyway. So fuck. I mean, a few billion <laughs> I'm years. I'm very yeah. tired. No, it's hot in England. <laughs> Stairs in astrophysicist. That's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck you. I'm a poet. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first episode, welcome to the show. Get ready for season nine. And if you've been with us for a long time, all the way through this end season, and even through previous seasons, thank you very much. Get ready for season nine. Because next week is going to be exciting. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned for this season. Like I mentioned, there's Patreon picks coming up. There's some very, very highly requested certain sequels in there. But mm. maybe I would... I would one of the big ones that is like one of the big jokes about oh well no a bad movie sequel even people who aren't aware of our show or anything like that use one of these films that we're fixing in season nine as the the example the butt of the joke of a bad sequel 
There's a little tease for you, listeners. I'm not saying if it's the first episode or somewhere in the middle or the last episode. You'll just have to tune in and find out. Lots of cool and interesting stuff basically coming up in Season 9. But until then, if you want to send us messages, talk about fan service, have some predictions from Season 9, anything like that, you can contact us. We are sequelizers on all the social media. You can go to our website. You can find all the previous episodes and go and listen to it there by clicking on the Episodes button. You can find the link to our Discord. You can find the link to our YouTube channel and all of our live streams, all available at sequelizers.com. If you want to buy t-shirts and stuff, you can also buy them on the on the website as well. So sequelizers.com is kind of the place to go for all of the links and all of the things related to us, the sequelizers. If you want to follow me, I am JLW Chambers on Twitter and Instagram. Matthew, how can people find you on the social medias? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to cheesemint.com and see the things I make. You can go to the red right hand at Cody K and see the things that I review. Tim! Where can we go if we want to see your reaction to the potential fan service, things like Matrix 4 and the upcoming Spider-Man film with all the people coming back? <laughs> you can go to trivia underscore lad on twitter.com. Uh, that is my main place online. That is where I'll be putting reactions to that, as well as uh, reactions to just uh, stupid British politics and, uh, you know... The sun melting us all and all that kind of stuff. Tim, Tim, the world is fucked. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your support and for joining us through the end season. We'll see you next week. The beginning of season nine.